What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. On today's show. In the year 2022, what does it mean to hand American police a very powerful new weapon? If you load a 12-gauge shotgun round into a remote-controlled robot and cruise it around with the intention of killing someone, it's a weapon. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. The Oakland Police Department, if they do nothing else, they certainly keep us police accountability activists on our toes. It has recently come to light that OPD wanted the right to arm robots with firearms and the ability to kill people. Now, on the one hand, maybe we would be better with robots who aren't steeped in the white supremacist and violent culture of America. On the other hand, maybe they would just program the robots with their racism, stereotyping, and violent training before unleashing them on us. We are joined today by Sam Biddle, who wrote about this for The Intercept. Biddle is a reporter focusing on malfeasance and misuse power and technology for The Intercept. His work has also appeared in Gawker, Gizmodo, GQ, Vice, and The Owl. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, give us some backstory. How, when, where did this conversation about killer robots start in Oakland? <laughs> well, w- what a sentence in the morning. Yeah, uh, question <laughs> I bet you didn't think you'd have to ask. Um, so, uh, <laughs> last, <laughs> California state law uh, uh, requires um, uh, Oakland, uh, along with any other uh, police department that has militarized equipment. So, think like stun grenades, tear gas, uh, in this case, bomb disposal robots. Um, They have to agree on a set of authorized uses in order to keep that equipment. So if they want to use it, they have to uh, work with a, a governing body, like a city council or something, to agree on how those tools and those weapons will be used. In a uh, meeting between the uh, Oakland Police Commission, a civilian oversight uh, board, one of the commissioners in a subcommittee, they were talking about the um, bomb squad robots that OPD has. And one of the officers, President of Liaison from OPD, mentioned that they always are careful to load a blank shell into uh, one of the tools the robot has, a blank shotgun shell. This led one of the commissioners to ask, uh, well, does does that mean you could put a non-blank shotgun shell into this robot? Could you put a live round in? And um, the answer was surprisingly not only yes, but um, that's something that OPD wanted to uh, pursue. Um, that's something they, that was an option they wanted to have on the table, and it uh, it, it all got going from there. I'm sorry. I just you you mentioned the 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 police officer that was representing the Oakland Police Department at this police commission meeting. Talk to us about Lieutenant Omar Daza Kiros and their background. Sure. So um, he is a, a regular at these meetings. Uh, he, uh, yeah, like I like I said, is 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 a representative of OPD when uh, meeting on these topics. Represents the department's point of view and uh, their desires. He uh, has an interesting background. Uh, a 2013 report in the East Bay Express, I believe, noted that uh, at the time of publication, he had 74 um, use of force complaints filed against him. He was also implicated in the shooting of an unarmed man in Oakland. Previously, I believe that was uh, settled. But you know, he he is a, a controversial figure, I think, to uh, have representing 
police restraint, you know, because um, uh, that was the uh, that was OPD's stance on the whole idea of, of these robots is, yes, we might weaponize them, we might have a literal killer ro- robot, but it will still be subject to the department's um, use of force standards and restrictions and regulations and so forth. But, you know, in this officer, you see um, how those restrictions and regulations don't stop the police um, from uh, d- doing things that uh, rack up a whole lot of complaints. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful with my uh, <laughs> my words here, uh, but um, yes. You be careful. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and make sure. it super plain <laughs> so I, I can carry that for us in this interview. I, I, I do just want to quickly point out that, uh, you know, in that in that same vein, the officer that was is responsible for the use of force policy things, Jacob Turner, um, was one of the officers that killed Richard Perkins in 2015, uh, one of the officers that broke into uh, a, a couple's house, uh, drunk, um, and the officer that put his forearm on my neck during a say-her-name protest. So it seems to me this is a theme inside of OPD. Sam Biddle, what are some of the key questions that this brings up about, the, about American policing, particularly in this current moment when there's a national rallying cry to hold police accountable for their violence against community members, especially black bodies? Sure. I mean, there is a, for very good reason, national conversation, a, a I think, rightfully angry uh, conversation at times um, about whether police sh- should be able to kill and under what conditions. And, um, you know, I think it goes without saying that is far from resolved. There are examples constantly of police either killing or inflicting physical harm on people uh, without good reason. And so to say, well, here's the state of affairs when it's just humans, um, and then to introduce a uh, you know an 800 pound, $300,000 military robot into the equation, um, I think uh, startled a lot of people and, and understandably so. I think the, you know, a, the, a big question is, well, if we're not even sure that um, we can trust our local police departments with um, exercising lethal force, with killing the power to kill, um, do we want to augment that power? Do we want to increase it through the use of, again, uh, uh, robotics? Um, And, you know, I I think that gets to the heart of it is, you know, in, in the year 2022, what does it mean to hand American police a very powerful new weapon and you know that's what they that's what this is a conversation about i mean they refer to it as a as a tool um as equipment um but if you load a a 12-gauge shotgun round into a remote-controlled robot and cruise it around with the uh, intention of killing someone it's a weapon um and it's and it's uh, a heck of a powerful weapon and we're talking about a police department that can't even follow its own crowd control policy. I mean, they just lost a lawsuit um, around their response to the 2020 George Floyd, Floyd protests, where they shot tear gas and flashbangs and permanently injured uh, several people. And, and this was a protest that was led by teenagers. The 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 robot in question, um, similar to the robot that was used in Dallas. Uh, where they uh, used it to to kill a, the the sniper, correct? That it, it is the exact same model. Yeah, it's, it's made by Northrop Grumman, a, uh, a defense contractor. But it's the it's the exact same one. And are there other departments in the country that are uh, arming robots with 
with actual live rounds? Is this, is this to my knowledge, uh, well, it, you know, that, that, that's a, that is right. That is probably the most important, the second most important question, or maybe the most important question is who else is, is considering this, right? Because um, to my knowledge, no other police department in this country, at least, has openly stated that they, that they wanted to um, put a gun on a robot and use it to kill people under certain um, conditions. However... Uh, there are thousands of these robots uh, spread across hundreds of police bomb squads in this country. Um, so it is a matter of um, desire on the on the part of those departments rather than capability. They have the robots. They have the capability. It's just a matter of whether they have the um, the will <laughs> to try to make something like this happen. You know, I, I Oakland, the, the, this this Oakland situation only happened because the police representatives in these meetings talked about it openly, and the uh, civilians on this civilian board, to their credit, asked all the right questions and um, pushed back on it. Uh, you know, in, in order for this to um, be stopped elsewhere in the country, you'll need people paying attention like they were in Oakland. Since you wrote the article, Sam, am I correct that OPD has walked back its request for killer robots? That, that, you know, that's a great question. After uh, we published the story, OPD wrote on their uh, Twitter and Facebook accounts, that, and I'm, I'm going to quote here from their Facebook post, uh, the Oakland Police Department is not adding remote, armed remote vehicles to the department. After further discussions, the department decided that no longer wanted to explore that particular option. So this is them. My, my reading of that is this is them saying we're not going to try this for now. But that is by no means a pledge that they will not try it again in the future. It just means probably they don't feel like dealing with um, the heat on this uh, because I, I the response to my story at least, was I think broadly negative. People don't really want something like this happening in their um, community from what I saw at least. So this is them saying, uh, we're going to table this for now, but uh, you know, I, I think you know uh, far better than I do based on all of your work um, with this and other departments that you know, th this, this is uh, by no means some sort of permanent end to the situation. They could change their mind at any point um, uh, uh, with language like that. Well, should they decide to bring on killer robots, we will certainly be bringing the heat. Sam Biddle, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. You too. We've been speaking to Sam Biddle, reporter focusing on malfeasance and misuse power and technology for The Intercept. His work has also appeared in Gawker, Gizmodo, GQ, Vice, and The Owl. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. 
our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.